0: welcome to another episode of shades of blue podcast and this episode we are speaking to travis bryant travis is a writer an entertainer a certified life coach and a full-time youtuber travis has grown his channel and his audience uh, being really open and raw with his life story and his emotional and mental health journey and that's something that you're going to hear about in this episode I will preface it with a trigger warning we do discuss um, suicide and suicidal ideation but this is this was such an incredible episode to record and I hope you enjoy listening to it as much as Travis and I enjoyed speaking I mean Travis like really really awesome to um, to have you on here to be able to chat obviously um, you are like very transparent around your own mental health when you choose when you choose to talk about it, um, which is which is incredible. Um, and obviously like you know it, it it's very important to have people out there, I think especially men where there is more stigma, um, just mm. trying to break down some of those uh, barriers around being open. So like before we start like fucking massive, kudos to you for doing that because i know it's not easy to like just put yourself out there publicly
1: yeah thank you so much i really appreciate that
0: so i guess to, to start with um just tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got to where you are now in terms of your career and what you're doing
1: yeah so i uh let's see i'm from denver colorado originally and I'll give the cliff notes version of my life. Basically, I lived with my parents. It was a pretty toxic living situation. And so eventually I was kicked out of my home when I was 15. Uh, I finished high school with my grandparents and then I went off to college. Didn't know what I was going to do for college. Got scouted on MySpace to become a model. So then I started traveling the world as a model, which was a really awesome time in my life. And then I uh, moved back to New York. Try to figure out what else to do. And then eventually decided I wanted to start screenwriting. So I ended up in Los Angeles about, oh my gosh, like 10 years ago.
0: You're a proper native now.
1: (laughs) I'm a proper native. Yeah, I finally got the crown and everything. It's amazing. And I, um, yeah, I, I wrote for several years. I ended up writing a book that was about dating and it was like a self help book, essentially, because mental health has always been a very big part of my story. And I couldn't get the book published because the publisher that was associated with it said that I didn't have a social media following. And I was like, what's, what's a social media following? Cause that's where like social media was really starting to take off. So I decided to start a YouTube channel to try and promote my book. That was the initial want for when I started that just to try and get people excited about what I had to say about dating or my dating experiences. I didn't have a huge amount of success in the beginning. It was like the first six months I was trying to figure out who I was. And then eventually, I think the turning point for what turned YouTube into what my career is today was being honest about my own personal story. And I shared the story of being kicked out of my home when I was 15. And I think by sharing that, it was a really big pivotal point, not just for the channel, but also for my mental health, because it felt like I was releasing something that was a really big part of my life story. I put it out there in the world, and it somehow gave me some sort of peace of mind with the things that i had been through so then i continue to share those more vulnerable open stories which is why depression has been such a big topic on my channel because it's something that a lot of people resonate with and it's also very therapeutic for me to get it out because keeping it inside obviously doesn't produce very many positive effects and then that's kind of what i've been doing for the last six years
0: amazing and and um like to be fair obviously it's become a little more commonplace which is great now for um for people to be talking about mental health and talking about their own traumas and when you started out it wasn't quite so commonplace so how i mean it must have like you must have been able to make a really significant impact coming in five six years ago and uh just putting everything out there um like what what sort of audience feedback were you getting
1: i think that yeah first of all it was really difficult to Decide on sharing that story because I think that that turning point for me, all the content I'd up to that point was more lighthearted and I got to hide behind the facade of a character basically of who I thought the world wanted to see. So when you get to that place of deciding to share something very personal, it's like a terrifying feeling. And even to this day, when I share something very personal, um, it terrifies me. But that's when I kind of know I'm in the right place of sticking to authenticity, because if it's scaring you, that means it's something real.
0: Yeah, and it means so, you're being properly vulnerable.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I, I have this, it's like a gift and a curse of needing to be authentic. It's really, really hard for me to not be authentic. So it's interesting that I live in Los Angeles. But um, <laughs> I feel <do. laughs> <laughs> so I, I've, I've used that to kind of my advantage, I guess, on YouTube, because YouTube really uh, appreciated authenticity. And I think that the response from the story itself, I really had no idea what, how people were going to respond but people were very very supportive and it was really nice to see the collective good in humanity because you know online so many times so often we can see people not being their best selves but in those times where you express that vulnerability you just get this wave of positive energy from other people and i didn't ever really want sympathy i like i still don't ever want sympathy for any of the things that i've been through because like they've molded me into the person i am today but it was nice to feel seen And to have someone receive your story because I think there's power in just being able to share your story because then it gives you that opportunity to release that and then choose what you want to do from there.
0: Yeah, and I feel like it puts you, it makes you feel more in control of your own narrative as well when you're putting it out there versus when you're kind of holding it all internally and it it has power over you. um, Absolutely. I have found um, as somebody who, like shares a lot through social media is just like having just one person to come in and be like thank you for sharing this I went through this recently um, and you know it was really um, helpful to me to hear that I'm not alone in this And like that kind of feedback is just so incredibly uplifting even when you're in the depths of depression yourself knowing that you've been able to reach someone is really really powerful.
1: Yeah, I I totally agree with that. It's so it also like on another level beyond people just seeing it and also sharing their personal experiences. I think that's possibly what mattered the most to me. There's this quote I went through. My childhood was really, really tumultuous. And I learned this quote when I was very young. It's a Latin proverb and it translates to be patient and strong. Someday this pain will be useful to you. And I held on to that when growing up because I just needed something to hold on to for hope that somehow the experiences that I was going through was going to turn out into something positive. I even have it tattooed on my left arm, actually, because it's been like my motto for my life. Because I think when I finally did share that story, it finally had its purpose because there have been so many people that still continue to reach out about that very specific video that say how much it helped them. With whatever they're going through and no maybe it didn't fix their problems but just to have that sense of connection with someone else that you can relate to goes a really long way so for me it finally felt like the things I'd experienced the mental health issues that I'd experienced had purpose which then gave me some sort of more accepting relationship with those parts of
0: myself yeah that is um that is really important and that is a really um a really great quote as well we just can we just like to note for Ben, can we just put the quote in the show notes as well because that's um (laughs) that's yeah really that's (laughs) very like that that's now going to be quite a helpful quote for me I'm just like (laughs) putting putting that away somewhere on a shelf in my brain because that's um yeah really great way to look at it um so you've spoken about like mental health depression as something that you have suffered with um all your life so what so what has the journey looks like for you and like from someone i've i've always suffered with depression as well so like my earliest childhood memories are around like having suicidal ideation and there's like it's so when uh it's it's like for, for me there were no kind of specific tangible triggers that started it it's like it's always been part of my life so i'm kind of interested about how it how it came about for you when you first started to be aware that you were feeling like this
1: yeah i think i feel like it's a very similar story to yours to be honest i remember feeling these strange senses of darkness from like i'd say like maybe from like eight years old where I started really getting developing that self-awareness around the way that I was feeling. And I would hit these periods of darkness where I just could not snap out of it. And it was just a part of me. You know, it was just beyond sadness. I think that's the misconception about depression still to so many people that don't have it is that it's not just the same as sadness, because I had experienced that many times in my life. But depression was just this emptiness. It was like this void of nothingness. And there's like a numbness attached to it. And it's just the it's just black. It's just blackness everywhere. And I felt that from a pretty young age. And again, I was living in a very toxic living situation. So I don't know how much of it was just possibly inherited because my mom uh, suffered from pretty severe depression as well. Um, And how much of it was connected to like real life circumstances. But eventually, as the years went on, it led to uh, the suicidal thoughts, you know, that was just like, it was almost like this screaming voice internally that was just saying like to end your life and that if you ignore it and that's what i did i ignored it for a long time it just keeps getting louder and i wasn't talking about it with anyone because i didn't feel comfortable with talking about that yet i didn't understand it and then i did right before i was kicked out of my home i did attempt suicide um while i was still living with my parents and uh you know i think that was obviously like a big cry for help um but unfortunately my parents just they just weren't in a place to be proper parents in that situation. And so when I finally opened up the, the things with the things that I was going through, they had just told me to not talk about it. And then say that I was in a biking accident when I had to go back to school after the incident and just kind of brushed it off saying that, you know, every family has their problems and everyone deals with struggles. So like, you're not that special. And it wasn't as harsh as that, but it was something that really discounted my story. So then I really bottled it up. And I think that really cemented that as being a big, big part of my journey then, which is why today I have to be open about it. I have to communicate about it, because if I do not, then it just amplifies the intensity of that depression.
0: Yeah, that that makes sense. And I, I guess as well, if you're if you've been conditioned through your childhood to feel like you need to bottle it up it's quite easy to slip back into that mindset if you don't very actively push yourself out of that zone
1: yeah because i think also when you learn about that behavior when you learn about depression it becomes a part of you at such a young age you know all your qualities that you live with today i think are just a combination of all these things that you gathered from your childhood and so much of my childhood was being told that i needed to conceal what I was going through and don't talk about that and minimizing my experience so I it's it's it, that's the first response that I want to do even today when I'm dealing with depression I'm in the midst of a, a pretty big depression that I've been dealing with for a few months I just shared about it in my, one of my most recent YouTube videos
0: yeah which was so like some, my- I, watched, I watched the video like really um yeah the video, the video made me cry like a really powerful video and we will link to oh, that video yeah. in the show notes as well because I Feel like everybody should
1: watch that the couple more context uh behind yeah it. thank you yeah yeah I did and as like a, again like my first inclination when going through this is to not share it anymore. I've talked about it so much and <laughs> as much as like I realize that depression may be a big part of my life story for I don't know. I don't I don't know if it's ever really going to go away. There's still that first thing and we're like, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to put that energy onto other people. I don't want to garner any sort of self-pity in any way shape or form but as i was saying before the podcast even started um i i push myself i just keep myself busy and i keep moving forward and i was trying to do with that video by filming something completely inauthentic for what i was feeling at the time it was supposed to be a fun lighthearted video we tried filming that video beforehand, and with about two minutes in, I just shut off the camera, and I looked over to my friend, and I was like, I, I can't do this right now. Like, I can't be this person right now because the depression is too big. So he's like, okay, well, why don't I just turn on the camera, and why don't you just speak? Why don't you just talk about what you're really experiencing? And so we did, and then that's the video that kind of came out from that Um which was good. I'm really happy that I did do that. I'm always happier once I finally so <laughs> open up about what I'm going through because it feels like validating myself. And I think that's such an important thing for anyone dealing with depression is to validate yourself and to not beat yourself up about it. Because that's such like my first response to whenever I'm going through depression. And that obviously does nothing but make it worse.
0: Yeah, of course, it just takes you takes you deeper down into the into the spiral. Um, One thing you talked about in that video, which again, is something that is my personal experience with depression is being very high functioning with it. So it's very easy to, or not very easy, but you have the capability to present a front all the time to carry on working to it doesn't debilitate you as far as anybody else is able to see. So I'd be interested to hear more about like your, your experience of of that. And I guess the pressure knowing that you can do that to, to then keep covering it up.
1: Yeah, that's like a double-edged sword right there, which I'm sure you can probably relate to as well, being high functioning because the signs aren't there when you're in a really dark place. And I think that was just something that I picked up on after years of having depression be so crippling that I couldn't get out of bed, you know, you finally start to adapt to when these periods of time come up. So yeah, I've gotten really good, unfortunately, and fortunately, because I I say it's a double edge because it's good that I can keep moving forward because at least I'm getting out of bed and at least I'm trying each day because when I give into it too much and I just succumb to staying in bed, it just exacerbates what I'm going through. But at the same time, Because I'm functioning just enough, I'm somewhere in this in-between area of where do I draw the line between staying independent and keeping moving and reaching out for help, you know, reaching out to the people and telling them what I'm going through as well. But yeah, it's just a compartmentalization thing. I just show up and I know that I'm going to be with some people. And if I'm like, for example, I mentioned a dinner that I went to with Mario Uh, the guy that was in the video with me and his friends. And I knew I was meeting a bunch of new people and I knew the version of me that they, (laughs) I I put in my head. I knew the version of me that they were expecting to see. It's the YouTube version of Travis. And so I went and I just pulled it together and then I just became that. And you never would have known what was going on. And even Mario, he knew that I was dealing with depression and he pulled me aside at some point and he was like, are you okay? (laughs) Like, are you better now? And I'm like, no, I'm not. But of course I don't want to take that energy anywhere and spill that into other people, because I don't know, I'm such an empath, I really hate for my darkness to spill into other people's energy as well, which, you know, that's something I should work on.
0: I understand that. And it's it's a balance of, you know, there's obviously a, you know, legitimate concern there of making sure that you're not, you know, you're not being draining, but also you can't perceive yourself as being a drain when you have legitimate concerns that you need to speak to somebody about. Um, exactly. because, you know, your friends and loved ones are the ones that need to be there for you through that time. And when you are high functioning, you literally have to ask for help because nobody's going to spot the signs um, unless, you know, unless they're very, very close to you. You know, if you're living together, like with with Ben, like Ben can kind of spot the signs with me. But I have to be very, like very fucked up with the depression for anything to start to show. And certainly people I'm not living with, there's no way they would have any idea.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. I am I just love having this conversation with you right now just to have that sense of relation to someone that knows,
0: <laughs> knows yeah. what it's like. Because
1: uh, I speak to Mario about it and Mario has never dealt with depression before. He's one of my best friends. We spend all of our time together making content and hanging out when we're not, but he's never experienced it before. He's really actively trying to learn more about it, but he just cannot wrap his mind around what depression really means, what that experience is like. So he's trying to get more informed to be able to better navigate when I'm going through this period, because it's really like, once the depression hits hard, like right when I was filming that video with him, the Travis that he knows and loves is just currently not there in the moment. And it's like the most impossible thing in the world for me to be myself, if that makes sense. Cause it feels like me, the version of me that I know and love is gone right now. So I'm trying to figure out how and who to be um, until the depression starts to subside again
0: yeah and that's that's the other thing is like until the depression starts to subside it's not something that you can just just <laughs> d- decide when that's going to happen it's like it just takes its own its own time and when you're in it that's always kind of scary because like even though you like you know that you've been through periods of depression before and it's always lifted but you just like like oh god maybe this is the time maybe this is the time where it doesn't go away maybe i'm going to be stuck like this yes. And you have oh that gosh. and everything else
1: Charlie, we're the same person. <laughs> we're the same person. Yeah, because it's like in, when I'm not in depression, it's so fascinating how I can finally see it objectively and see that that was just a period of time and it's going to pass and this is just kind of what happens. But when you're in it, you do have that fear that you're always going to feel this way. And when, when I'm in it, I also have this weird voice in my head that says that this is how I've always felt and this is how mm-hmm. it's always going to be. It's these lies that your mind starts to tell you because it's so severe that you just don't remember what it feels like to feel authentic happiness anymore. Yeah, you you, re- you, re- you really
0: really like. don't. You you lose all all memory of that. Yeah. And then I, like when when I'm yeah, you do, you just convince yourself it's part of your identity and it there is like a weird kind of comforting familiarity in it as well even though it's horrible, but you you're used yeah. to it and you know it so well. Yeah.
1: It's like my lifelong companion. It's and I I hate to even say that that companion because companionship to me seems like it's adding some sort of value to your life. But, you know, I think that because it's something that I've carried since childhood, there's a familiarity aspect of that. And we are drawn to those things that we're familiar with, even if they're not necessarily the best for us.
0: Yeah, um, 100 percent. It was so I. I started taking uh, antidepressants a couple of years ago after just years and years of resistance because I was so I was brought up in a very like anti big pharma household and obviously there are so many issues with over prescribing and and so on and Mm -hmm. so forth. So it just got to the point where it's like, okay, I'm just gonna have to try, try something. Um, mm. And I was really like one of my big concerns is like, oh, well, what if this is part of my identity? And what if like I've become less interesting or less good at creating mm. because I don't have this like depth of feeling anymore? And that was like such a huge, huge fear that I was like, you know, I was willing to sit in this like, um, you know, the, this horrible feeling just because, you know, maybe maybe this is kind of beneficial for my career to have this. Um, which I, I feel like is a kind of like creative and artist problem because there is this um, glamorization of the, you know, of the struggling artist and being, you know, being able to create from like, by being able to access the darkest depths of emotion. There's this kind of like weird, glamour to it in creative circles I think you know you you kind of get the sense of that in like LA and Hollywood as well and certainly in the fashion industry Um, yeah
1: that's so so true I I hate how accurate you are because that's like the thought that runs through my mind as well my creativity I still struggle with this belief but my creativity I used to take meds as well and the meds never worked out for me they'd often have either really severe side effects where they'd amplify the depression and lead to suicidal thoughts or gotcha. they would numb me. So instead of living a life in blackness, I'd live a life in gray, lack of color. It would yeah. just be this very subdued version of myself that still didn't feel like myself, so it I just felt an emptiness. That's the only way I can describe it. So I stopped taking all the meds because it was not helping the problem. But also, I've been like a creator for all my life. This is just I'm just an artist. I need to be creating constantly, and I think that the need to create comes from a coping mechanism of how to deal with my depression. Yeah. Because it's in a way of um, it's expressing, I guess, what you're experiencing in the form of like visual content or even stories or writing that somehow acts as a form of therapy. But it's like the two are intertwined and it feels like I can only create because I'm experiencing these intense highs and lows. So I can really tap into whatever it is, the emotion I'm trying to convey and create that in my whatever it is that I'm sharing. You know yeah. like when i don't have this intensity of emotions sometimes it can feel like i don't have the intensity enough of emotion to resonate and connect with other people with the work that i'm creating does that make sense
0: yeah that that makes complete sense um and yeah like that's something that i find very difficult to balance as well although if i am like really honest with myself i can do a lot more when I'm in a more lucid space, but still have kind of the recent memory of the depression that I can tap into. But obviously, yes. you know, you're, ap- you're apathetic when you're in the depression. So it's, it's pretty hard to be productive. But when you're like close enough to it, but out of <sighs> it, is when you can kind of, when I feel like I can do my best work.
1: I literally feel like we're the same person. It's so crazy (laughs) to hear you speaking about this because I haven't spoken to anyone that I resonate with so spot on, especially because you have the creative aspect of your personality. So when I speak to other people that deal with depression, often they're not in the same kind of field that we're in. So hearing you talk about that, it's just crazy because, yeah, you're so right. I mean, I've been in the midst of this depression and it kind of hit its wall the last couple of weeks. And creating at this point is now the hardest thing in the world because the apathy has kicked in and I don't feel like myself. So how am I going to create ideas when I don't even feel like myself is present in this moment? So then it creates that extra added pressure to create. So it's nice when you just feel it coming on because the last couple of months it was coming on and I've invested my energy into creating these short films that are completely separate of my YouTube content that really there's a darkness in them. All of my short films have a dark undertone, a sadness undertone, which I think a lot of my viewers have commented on. Like, are you okay, Trav? Because yeah. I was just dabbling with the dark, the, the depression. Yeah. and But I still had enough wherewithal to still be able to put on the front. And again, I think that that video that I posted very recently with Mario is the one is where I really hit the wall. And I just, I couldn't do it anymore. So I felt too deep into it to be able to continue with that cycle of trying to create content while dabbling in depression
0: yeah it's uh, <laughs> it it really is a, a um a very kind of difficult difficult thing to to balance i guess when you have when you have that awareness that you know you're going to be able to pull out something pull out something great like that that said like i have been very i've been super lucky with um medication being like pretty pretty helpful for me and I know I, I know um, more people who've had your experience than who've had my experience to be honest um but I've been so like since I've since I have been taking it like I it takes the edge off I still mm-hmm. go through depressed periods but it stops me going just that like extra bit that extra bit deep where I'm just like Kind of crippled with suicidal ideation for, for months mm-hmm. on end, and that's like that. How,
1: how did it help you? If you mind, like first of all, which one are you taking? Um, so you know I'm I
0: mean? I'm taking uh, fluoxetine, <clears throat> like a really low dose, just ten milligrams. Um, okay, and it stops me going like quite like I can go up to the edge without like falling off the edge, which you know because I was I was concerned. I feel like I'm able to be more myself with it than than kind of prior to it where I was really really struggling I think I'd gone through maybe a year at that point of being like right in the right in the the depths where just like every day I was kind of like planning out um (laughs) planning out how I was gonna die basically and it Mm. just it was just too long it was too long to be in that state and it was Um, I was losing, you know, like you have your protective factors when you're feeling suicidal. So like you have, you know, you you can be conscious of like, okay, it's going to affect, like, it's, you know, it's going to affect Ben so much. It's going to affect my family so much. And that's enough to kind of keep you out of it. And that was starting to disintegrate. um, And like, that got me really like, okay, I need to fucking do something or try something. Um, And I tried like every, you know, uh, alternative, holistic Method under the sun at that point for literally like death, like two decades, wow. and yeah, it was like it was a really scary thing. Um, I there was a doctor that I had worked with before on the alternative side, but she's a medical doctor as well, so she was somebody that I felt I could trust to um, help me figure out the right prescription um, because I, I knew that that her it would be her last resort to prescribe pharmaceuticals. Um, so I felt like I could trust her to to not kind of say over-prescribe and to be able to kind of monitor the process with me. Yeah, um,
1: and, and you had tried other medications before?
0: Um, I had tried, I hadn't tried any medications before. It was literally oh. like the first thing, the first thing that I was put on at the dose that I was put on worked like Oh I my know, gosh! Like, I got amazing. so fucking lucky.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. I've tried so many of them, but wait, I'm curious to know again what the name of this one was that you. Uh, this is fluoxetine,
0: trying? so Prozac.
1: Oh okay, great. Yeah, I did try that one. Okay, I was like, wait, is there is there something new? <laughs> Shall I be called my doctor new? after There's this an podcast? An actual,
0: <laughs> actual magic pill.
1: <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um,
0: yeah, just I was yeah just just very very lucky. Um, but yeah, yeah I that's guess awesome. I'm glad that, that it helps you, though. That it sounds
1: like one. it takes you from like a, oh, sorry.
0: No, I was just going to say it sort of, you know, it doesn't stop me. It doesn't make me feel numb. Like I still have a depth of feeling, but it just, mm. yeah, it just stops it going too far, I guess.
1: So it sounds like it kind of, instead of being like potentially at a nine or a 10 for intensity, it kind of brings you down to like, what, maybe like a six or a seven? Yeah. Okay. Exactly. That's great. I can live in six and sevens. I can live in six and sevens.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's the line in
1: point where you're like, okay, something's gotta change.
0: Yeah, exa- exactly. And yeah, I've you know, been able to been able to function much better since then. But you know, it's still it's still always scary. Even going up to the going up to the edge is still scary because you know you know what it's like on the other side of the edge.
1: <laughs> of course. Yeah. Yeah, it's like you're like it feels like you're walking a tightrope and I think that my life recently has not been like on the outside. That's the thing that messes with you the most sometimes. Like in the outside my life is actually fantastic and it's better than ever because it, that kind of affects me in some ways because I my life was not all together when I was dealing with bouts of depression before at earlier points in my life. So you know when you're dealing with depression, <laughs> I have this question that goes through my mind that's like, is this because of life circumstance that I'm not feeling great, or is this the depression coming back up? You know, and you try and associate a label with it to see like, oh, it's because I went through a breakup, or or it's because I'm not where I'm at where where I want to be with my career. And there's just like I think some people. It'd be nice to understand that there. Are, it's just a completely different thing, and the depression is not the same. It's just being unhappy about your life circumstances. Yes,
0: hundred uh, percent. And it is. I think as well when you suffer from depression, as you said, it's still it still can be really difficult to differentiate. I mean certainly at first I mean I I speak to a therapist every week and that kind of helps me stay on top of like because I'll I'll get paranoid like am I about to like go into a depressive episode Mm -hmm. again and she'll be like no like you know you've just been dealing with a a, like particularly huge amount of stress right now so like this will this will be okay. Um, but I feel like the the like overwhelm of stress can feel like the early stages of a depressive episode. I find that difficult to differentiate. Um,
1: yes, 100%. Especially when doing what I do for a living, like doing social media for a living, that constant pressure to be creating content and be pushing something out there. You're like, I can't tell... If this is just because my job's really stressful or if I'm hitting a wall of depression, because I feel stressed often with the demands of social media, but it's just not the same as when I'm dealing with actual depression. And again, it's like I spend a lot of time walking that tightrope trying to figure out, okay, where am I at? Because the way I'm going to handle the situation is going to differ depending on whether I'm dealing with depression or whether I'm dealing with just normal life stressors that are associated with my job or just other life demands.
0: Exactly. Um, and I have the same thing with burnout as well, because I experienced very severe adrenal burnout a few years ago, which um, basically like put me uh, 70% out of action for about 18 months, like I could do maybe like two or three hours of productive work a day. And it wasn't depression, then obviously crept in as part of it, but mm-hmm. it was um, literally just like my my brain stopped firing, well, being able to fire and calculate properly. It felt, it felt more like having a head injury um for like mm. a period of 18 months so now when I start getting like when I start feeling tired for extended periods of time it's like oh god is it like is a fucking like burnout about to happen again like am I gonna be out of action it's just like you you become so you become so paranoid I guess um because you've you've become so self-aware of what your like initial symptoms are <laughs>
1: Yeah, a hundred percent. And then the burnout thing is so relatable too. I think my burnout—I was talking about this with Ben before we started—where burnout is such a big part of my story as well, connected to the depression because I use work as a means to distract myself to stay busy yeah, enough that same. the depression doesn't slide <laughs> in and like take over my life. So I'd rather like be like, okay, I'm going to do this film this week and do a three different YouTube videos. I'm going to start my podcast, finish writing my book, do it, like spread myself so thin that there's no opportunity for the emotions to come in, which works for a little while. But then you, of course, you hit the other end of the spectrum with anxiety until finally it's just not sustainable. And then you break and then fall into depression. And it's like this ongoing long-term cycle. cycle. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And it is is—it is like a high as well when you're like, you're lining up all the things. And uh, it yeah, like for me anyway, it feels like, it feels like a complete, like a complete high, like being able to like, oh, I have so much on, like I'm so, I've am got all these projects, like it's so exciting. Um, Absolutely,
1: it gives and- you purpose and value, which yeah. then in turn kind of gives, it counters the depression. And so that's one thing that I've really honed in on uh, in terms of learning about my depression and respecting it. I think I have to have some level of respect because it's going to be there no matter what. So I just need to understand how to navigate that. And finding yeah. like a deeper purpose and deeper passion was really important for me because I've done social media again for like six years and social media has been very rewarding in lots of ways. But at the same time, I'm such an altruist and an empath that it felt self-serving at times because you're talking about yourself so much. So I eventually got, I got certified to become a life coach last year hmm. where then I started taking on clients and helping others and having tools to help others that had been through similar experiences as mine. And that was a really big help with giving me a deeper sense of purpose that doesn't get rid of depression, but it gets me out of my own perspective long enough to help someone else, which then combats the likelihood of me falling into a deeper depression.
0: Yeah, that, that, that I can completely relate to as well. Like being able to being able to problem solve for other people is like, yeah, it's kind of like a bomb for your own for your own stuff that's going on that's that's super cool that you um you got certified and you're able to add that string to your bow and obviously you're able to bring so much like real understanding to the table when you're talking to people because you've been through like you've been through so much yourself so yeah it it helps me
1: like really connect with them you know it gives you like an ability to connect because how else can you connect with people if you haven't Mm -hmm. been through certain things yourself especially at that level where people are reaching out for help um so yeah, no, it's it's super super rewarding, and I'm really happy that I did that.
0: Um, uh, so, so let's let's talk about tools and coping mechanisms. Um, what do you find works for you? What <laughs> what um, is something that you you advise to other people that you you see being really effective?
1: Well, okay. So stemming off of what we just said, I think that helping others is such an important part of that. It and I think that the reason. First and foremost the reason i say that is because it gets you out of your own perspective because i don't think that depression is a selfish disease but i think that you can get so stuck in the rumination ruminating is like one of my biggest downfalls where i recognize that i'm falling into depression because i get so stuck in trying to figure out what's going on with me that i lose all sight of what's going on outside of myself yeah so i do some i will literally just make phone calls and this is a good practice for anybody To call some people in my life that maybe I haven't spoken to in a while and just set the intention that I'm not going to talk about myself at all and just talk about them and see how they're doing. And it's amazing how much lighter I feel from having, from being able to to just give my attention to somebody else. It gives me some sort of relief in a weird way. Yeah. So that's one thing. But then, of course, there's like the very simple daily things that I need to do caffeine, avoid it. I cannot have any caffeine because that's going to aggravate the depression because it increases the anxiety for myself. I mean, it's all like the basic staples of making sure that I'm communicating to the proper people in my life, people that are able to be supports. Um, just a finding peace of mind, acknowledging and validating my own experience in this, but then also being accepting that I don't need to find a solution and then just be okay with where I am now because the depression is going to leave when it wants to yeah. exercise, of course, is like the most important thing for me as well, just for increasing those endorphins. Because if this is actually something that's just chemically off in my brain, having that increase of endorphins from a raised heart rate just gives me even a temporary feeling of happiness. It's almost like feeling a gas tank and you know, I get a little bit more gas in the brain, <laughs>
0: you know,
1: it's
0: a little reminder of how you could be feeling.
1: Yeah. And then sleep. Sleep is like, I don't know. I know some people in my life that can function off of three or four hours of sleep and just keep going. <laughs> I am not that person. I am not that person. <laughs> <laughs> I am not that person. I need my eight and a half now. Uh, my post 30 phase of my life, eight and a half hours of sleep before midnight. It's just like, I think the bottom line is maintaining a very specific routine of things that I can do to help mitigate the severity of whatever it is that I'm experiencing. So if I'm in depression, none of these things are going to actually make it just go away. So I set those expectations right away. But when I'm in the midst of it, I need to make sure I go down this list of things that I keep in mind to make sure that I'm honoring those to give it the best chance of passing sooner than later and not getting so severe that I can't come back from it.
0: Yeah. Um, No, that makes so much sense. And yeah, I mean, sleep is huge, I think like for me and it's so hard to do but I know I know that if I get myself to bed like by 11 every night like by the end of a week of doing that I will feel so much better just because my like the like you have obviously like your your body heals overnight and different parts heal at different you know different times of the night and you're um your hormones and endocrine system there's so much that happens between i think it's between like 11 p.m and 1 a.m Mm. um and if you're not sleeping during that period obviously it's kind of compromising the ability for that that very chemical uh part of what's going on to recuperate um
1: that's so true I, and like 11 o'clock is mine too. My prime time to be in bed is by 11 o'clock. And now, unfortunately, I'm one of those people that gets all the energy at night. <laughs> I'm not a morning person. So it's like I have to consciously self-parent this, yeah, you, you have that to be so like disciplined.
0: Do? I think especially yeah. like as a creator, it's like that's that's when you create. Like, you're, you know, like if I could, if I, like when I'm designing especially, like really I just want to be working like when everybody else has gone to bed, like if I could start <laughs> yeah. working at 11 till like three, that would be perfect.
1: <laughs> yes, I totally so. agree with that. And that's where like the self-parenting really had to come into play. As I've gotten older and more independent, I have to do these things that I don't want to do because of the bigger... The greater good. Because exactly. I, it's so weird that you can get eight and a half hours of sleep. Like if you go to bed at 2am, and you get eight and a half hours of sleep, it's not the same. Not at eleven. <laughs> yeah. So it's just important to at least give me the best chance. So when I wake up the next day, I don't have that awful feeling that I'm all too familiar with when in depression of damn, I woke up today. You know, yeah. that's like such a, that's such a horrible feeling. And I would not wish that on anybody to feel like disappointment that you woke up is such a sad place to be. And so again, it's just like these small little things that you can control will give you a little bit more peace of mind over the thing that you cannot control, which of course is depression.
0: Yeah, yeah, oh, that's, uh, yeah, obviously like some something that everybody who has uh, been through a depressed episode can relate to that. It's, uh, I mean, that's kind of, yeah, that's, I feel like that's quite a good way to um, describe depression to to somebody who hasn't experienced it is like waking up and like being really upset that you woke up yeah. um, and like you know going to going to bed and just like wishing so hard that you don't wake up um,
1: yeah and that's like it makes me so sad that people yeah, experience that so because, like, I don't know, I, I, I was, the, the empath in me cannot tolerate seeing anyone else sad in this world. Yeah. So I think that's why it's, it's <laughs> life coaching. But it's also, I think, the people like us that have experienced that deep level of pain, you just don't want anyone else to ever experience that. because. No it's horrible because then you still have like when you wake up that next morning you have those feelings you still now have another 24 hours of the day to make it through with that mindset and you're just constantly battling that so when i'm battling those feelings that pop up i'm exhausted you know even though i'm not doing very much of anything and my friend mario again he was trying to understand it and he wasn't sure like why are you so tired all the time and it's like because there's a battle going on in my mind every second of the day while I'm in the midst of depression
0: yeah it's it's so much it's so much pressure that you put on yourself and like i i don't know about you but i kind of um, i'll bring it into work as well so it's it's like you know this you know this has to work out or you know or i just die like those are the two yeah. options and like it's, but that's the kind of the pressure that you start putting on to Everything, um, which is which is so exhausting um, to be under that all the time.
1: Before I ta- like my schedule is very busy. It takes a lot to maintain like all my social platforms and keeping it running as a business. That before I even get to tackle the challenges of those, I have to do this first step, which maybe like Mario for example doesn't have to do of just getting my mindset and in the right place to be able to even approach those things so it's like this initial hurdle this like initial handicap of some kind yeah you have to address first to then try and manage the daily responsibilities of the day so by the end of it you're just like completely wiped because you're not able to just show up organically without constant mental effort on your part
0: yeah are you um do you, you familiar with spoons theory no um, so this is something that I find is quite a helpful way to describe to people, and like it applies to depression, but it applies to any kind of chronic illness. That basically, like you, everybody kind of wakes up with a certain number of spoons, and like to get out of bed is a spoon, to brush your teeth is a spoon, like everything is a spoon. And like somebody who's dealing with depression might have like five spoons, or somebody that's dealing with chronic fatigue or um, other types of um, chronic illness. And so like by the time that they've gone through. Just the morning routine, that's their whole their whole day's energy, and you can like mm. you can maybe take some spoons from the next day, but it means that the next day you're completely fucked, you can't even get out of bed in the morning. Mm. So where like most people might start off with like a hundred spoons, you're there with your ten just trying to like figure out how most efficiently to get through your day just with those ten spoons and that's
1: yeah, that's a very good visual. that's exactly how it feels. You have so little capacity, so you have to be very conscious of what you're deciding to spend your energy on yeah. for the day. Exactly. I have a question, actually. Um, I re- because you're my fellow depression person, <laughs> I, well, I'm wondering, uh, I, was recently, I recently learned about a therapy called TMS for depression. Did you, do, you know, do you know anything about that or have you experienced that or gone through it yourself?
0: No, so, t- t- so what's the acronym stand for? It's
1: a transcranial magnetic stimulation, I believe. Um, and it's this, apparently something that they do, they use some sort of magnetic system to, I, I, I'm butchering probably the full explanation behind it, but they use it and it's like a six week period that you do these treatments. And it has like an 86, a very high percentage, a very high percentage of likelihood of greatly depressed, Um, decreasing the amount of depression episodes that someone experiences. And in like 30% of the people that have done it, it's permanently removed depression from them.
0: That sounds very uh, interesting. Um, Yeah. And it's
1: covered by insurance companies as well. I have been looking into that recently because I've been trying to find, again, other methods to dealing with this, because obviously it's a big hindrance to my life. But I I have not met anyone personally that's gone through it, so I was just curious if you knew anything about that. Because no,
0: I'm like I'm gonna that. note it down though to to research. I tend to find kind of like very like hands on energetic therapies more helpful. So like acupuncture, I found pretty helpful, um, and I did for um, especially like as well for both the burnout. And the depression. And this especially helped with the burnout, um, a combination of what's called acoustic vibration therapy, where basically you have like specific tones that are kind of like vibrated through you. Um, So you have like these headphones, you're sat on like the special chair and like so the like the the vibration of each note is kind of played through different parts of your body and then having acupuncture at the same time as that. And I went I think I did maybe six months of sessions of that. And that was that was probably the best, the best, most helpful therapy that I had for my burnout because I tried like the first thing that you kind of recommended is lots of different dietary supplements and kind of nutrition practices, but my body wasn't properly processing uh nutrients. So that, you know, it wasn't really Helping, but somehow that that combination of acupuncture and this acoustic vibration therapy was really, really helpful for me.
1: That's actually so great. I, like, I'm
0: very much, I'm like very open minded to just trying everything, even if it sounds pretty fucking weird. <laughs> like,
1: <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. I've gone to the shamans. I've gone to spiritual healers. Yeah. I've like chanted. I will do whatever it takes. Like,
0: yeah, same. To same. help with this,
1: there's something else. I guess. Just for anyone that's listening to i have this other supplement that i've taken and i've taken tons of supplements to try and help with this because obviously i like to go a more natural route for the treatment for this because the prescription pharmaceuticals just haven't really been effective for me there's something called it's a brand called happy healthy hippie have you heard of them before
0: no i'm gonna note this down as well
1: yeah this was referred to me by my sister who also battles depression occasionally hers is a little bit more mild grade depression but she does experience it and she told me to try these and again I haven't had much success with any other natural supplements but this one I did notice a difference for a period of time but the people that I know that have tried this because I mentioned it on my social media and a lot of like the my viewers um, bought this when I talked about it and they have sent me messages even just up until yesterday saying that it's made a huge difference for them in the depression so it's the brand is called happy healthy hippie and the They have several different supplements, but this one in particular is called Joy-Filled. And it's just these little veggie capsules that are made up of, let's see, I think like seven different herbs that are meant to help with depression.
0: How is it spelled, Uh, Joy-Filled?
1: Joy-Filled. So literally, yeah, it's like filled with joy. Oh,
0: Joy-Filled, cool.
1: Yeah, they really spell it out for you. But I mean, I can just read the ingredients. It has go-to cola herb, rhodiola. Saint John's Wort, ashwagandha, Lemon Balm leaf extract, Ginkgo leaf, and your uh, Yalithero root. Okay. Yeah. So those are the like seven things, and I did notice a difference from that. It definitely took it down a notch. Kind of how you were describing how Prozac worked for you, and it kind of made me feel a little bit more peaceful through whatever it was that I was experiencing. So
0: definitely I take a look at that, especially whilst whilst I'm in the US. Um, there are so many there are so many very like good quality supplements that it's very hard to access outside the U S like Ben on mute there is going to be sympathizing with this because like between us, we've had so many kind of chronic health and mental health, issues where we've been advised to get all of these supplements and like most of the time we're just having to pay extortionate shipping to try and get them mm. get access to them from the u.s um so well, yeah yes. in what LA, i'm probably gonna stock up on a few things
1: <laughs> yeah <And I> <laughs> an la name too happy healthy hippies so just like stock up on that but yeah just try it though because i did have like my uh my I had another friend try it and he just said that he felt really sleepy, but granted he doesn't deal with depression. So I guess it just depends. He just wanted to take it to feel more more joyful and he just said it made him feel sleepy. So everyone I know has responded to it differently. Um, So keep that in mind if you're going to try these out. But I did like these. I think that they were helpful. And also you can buy them on Amazon. I think that might be the only place you can buy them. It's on Amazon, but it's great though because you can also see other people's reviews because it has thousands of reviews. From people that have actually taken it and it has like four to five stars for people seeing a difference in like dealing with depression so if it worked for some people it could yeah. possibly work for you as well
0: um so i realized that we've, we've got to 50 minutes and uh quite impressively we haven't talked about coronavirus or quarantine (laughs) wow look at this girl which is actually like the record for me certainly for the last two months I don't know about you (laughs) um impressive stuff um but I would just like to sort of touch on how um how you're dealing with this this period of time where obviously there are a lot more restrictions around um how you can exercise how you can get out and you know it it does impact on certainly impacts some of my normal coping mechanisms
1: yeah this it was weird i was in my burnout phase of my cycle of depression right before the quarantine started um so i was occupied enough to not be facing what was already going on because my my current depression started back in february and it's been lasting ever since but then of course when quarantine hit initially it was a great thing because everything stopped and so I finally got to breathe for a second yeah you don't have the guilt
0: complex around slowing down
1: yes this FOMO the idea of FOMO not being there was the fear of missing out yeah it was nice to not have that feeling and that didn't just translate from like social settings but also like the constant pressure to be creating content was also like I don't have to do anything right now. I don't have any clients to respond to right now. So it felt good at first. But then, of course, the reality did set in of being so isolated and not being able to just experience touch from another person, like a hug. And those things really go a long way to me. Like my core value is having human connection. I really need to feel connected. I really want to have intimacy with whoever I speak to in my life. And if I can't have that, it really does take a big toll, which is why I think this depression is last. This is possibly my longest lasting depression that I've experienced in like the last 10 years. Wow. Um, and I think that it's definitely the quarantine. I've made a point to continue exercising and just taking walks to be outside because I yeah. just can't stay home all day long. Um, but yeah, it's it's definitely been a challenge, but it's strange. Well, not strange necessarily, but every person that I've spoken to about this has been struggling in their own ways, whether or not they were someone that had depression because life has been turned on its head. And right now we're just trying to adapt to this new way of life that's so foreign to us. Um, so it's, yeah, it's been it's been challenging, but also with that said, it also had like, uh, it's also had a lot of lessons as well. <clears throat> you know, there's lots of opportunity to self reflect and try and figure out how do I wanna live my life? again and how do I want to build my life up again after this finally is over so it's been a reflective time for me too
0: yeah I know that that makes a lot of sense um I think I'm I'm very interested just from a kind of I guess like anthropology perspective to see how global enforced reflective time for for months on end is going to actually impact like society as a whole um because this is not something that like we have experienced ever, and it's it's come at a a time in our like culture and society where everything is so fast, everything is so constant. As you say, there's just like we're all living with uh, FOMO constantly, and to suddenly have that stripped away for a period, I think I'm hoping will have quite a lot of positive effects.
1: Yeah, I hope so as well. How have you dealt with it?
0: Um. I think the you know similar to you the you know one of the biggest struggles for me is the like lack of human connection like not being able to like hug people like that's you kind of I guess like you don't even realize how important that is um, until it's until it's taken away but on the flip side I have been so like, I'm, I'm here in LA for work, I've got so much to be getting on with. I'm also used to working from home. So being able to create structure in this lockdown setting isn't like isn't strange for me. Dealing with people remotely isn't strange for me, because I'm used to doing that whilst traveling anyway. So I like the benefit of being in LA as well is that I can just go out and take regular walks, which even you know, that's something I do to keep myself sane, whether or not we're in we're in a global pandemic like I just need that I get cabin fever so quickly yeah. um yeah. so I on on the whole I've probably had an easier time of it and uh, I'm also so in this situation so I'm um I'm in LA because I've been uh, on a three-month accelerator program with snapchat um, and through that I've been basically like spending time with working with and living with um, some really like awesome entrepreneurs. So it's been a very like energizing environment to be in through the quarantine um, and oh, like being, being with people who are kind of also going through the same challenges of like, okay, how do I adapt my business to this? Like what do I do personally in this set of circumstances? So it's, it's felt uh, like I've had a really, good support network around me of people who are uh, just like solving the same problems and going through the same challenges Um, so I've been super lucky I would say
1: yeah that's awesome it sounds like it's been like a a more energizing experience especially just by association with people that are going through similar things as you yeah so that's good that you were like set up for success and also being prepared to create your own scheduling from home that also probably gave you a leg up over people that maybe did not have that same structure before. Yeah, for
0: sure. I think um, you know, for for the majority of people it's just a complete uh change of routine. And how do you I mean, you know, even even though I am used to it, it's um I, it's it's harder to create routine during this time than it is normally because you because the rest of the world is suddenly doing the same thing like you lose all concept of time because everybody's kind of working weird hours and working weird days and like what I don't like what is time right now I'm struggling to like figure out what day of the week is
1: it's blurs Um, day
0: day. exactly exactly (laughs) um so so you know even even being used to working from home it's still like quite a mindfuck this this time from that perspective but um yeah definitely it's definitely more in my comfort zone than i you know i think a lot of people
1: yeah good i'm glad you hear that
0: as an empath as well i imagine you can relate to this like the Enormity of like the death rate and the unemployment and everything, trying not to let that like creep in, just like the the anxiety for the collective, um, mm, yes. and like the pain yes. for the collective. Uh, it's but like you, you, I guess again, it's like you have to be really disciplined because it's not it's not productive for anybody to let that consume you. Um, yes, but it but it's difficult.
1: Again, we're the same person. Because yeah i think like i wonder how much of like the what i've been experiencing as well is from that collective empathic energy where you just kind of inherit you just kind of inherit uh the energy even when you walk into a room being an empath and you can feel the energy that's there and suddenly you're like wait why do i feel this darkness or this heaviness or this sadness mm-hmm. so like i've had to be very conscious of what content i'm consuming right now because of sens- sensationalized news headlines and sure. just to hear people's struggles and the experiences that people are going through, even apart from just the virus itself, but the ramifications of this quarantine, you feel so deeply for everyone. And I'm like, I can't take on all this energy right now.
0: Yeah, <laughs>
1: I, you, but
0: you have to be yeah I think I think I mean, I'm having to bury my head in the sand a little bit now, just as a just for my own survival um and i I think that's fine, like I think you you know you need to look after yourself during this time. everyone needs to be looking after themselves during this time um because yeah. you know you can't unfortunately like we you know we can't change what's happening by by feeling it, but you know to we can't be uh, much support to ourselves or to the people closest to us if all our energy is kind of consumed by this kind of like global anxiety. So it's just, just trying to kind of balance, balance that. Um, so I wanna, um, I honestly I could carry on talking to you all day, uh, but <laughs> we've, 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 and, and like I'm gonna be in LA for the next couple of months If quarantine lifts and like you're feeling up to it. We should definitely hang out sometime. I would love um, that. Like that, I I would love that as well. Like so I could, could just carry on chatting to you for hours.
1: I know I say so, I'm like, in the we, interest we of we? the listeners, yeah. if in
0: case like anybody's got other stuff that they need to get on with, um, <laughs> and, <laughs> uh, you know, need a need a bathroom break, whatever, um, I, I will wrap this up with the last question, which is something that we ask um, all of our guests, which is, what would your protest sign say?
1: My protest sign, I think. My protest sign, well, the initial thought was, I like my men hot, not my planet, but I don't know if that applies to <laughs> I think
0: that's this
1: curve. <laughs> But I think that one in particular is, you're, it would be that you're responsible for the life you're living. Yeah. I think that one's a really important one um, because it's not to assume any blame for what's going on in your life, but it gives you control to decide what you want to do with that. And I think that that's something that's carried through with everything that I've experienced up to this point. Everything that's happened, there is a role that I've played in it up until that point. And I get the choice back to decide what to do, given my awareness that I'm involved in that process. So then I stop feeling like a victim or that life is happening to me, but rather for me, where then I can choose how I want to show up.
0: Yeah, that makes, I think that's very, that's very empowering. Um, and yeah, makes a lot of sense. I'd, I'd like to have both both protest signs. So we'll go <laughs> you can have you can well, have, we have two, two hands. <laughs> I'm gonna
1: raise both. I got a lot to say about both.
0: <laughs> uh-huh. Amazing. Oh well it's been so, an absolute joy to chat to you. Where can we will link all this in the show notes as well, but where can our listeners find you?
1: Uh, you can find me on YouTube just by searching my name Travis Bryant and then also on Instagram just Travis Bryant. Uh, that's where I spend most of my time doing my job so yeah check me out there
0: awesome awesome